You are listening to The Next Play Podcast, the playbook for high-performing leaders who want to exceed their full potential. From walking on the Ole Miss football team at 5'7", 150 pounds and earning a full D1 scholarship to coaching thousands around the world and working with massive organizations like IBM, I've learned countless lessons that I'll be sharing right here with you. Join me as I interview some of the most successful people so you too can learn how to focus on always moving forward by deciding, planning, and executing on the next play relentlessly. This is Richie Contartesi with the Next Play Podcast, and today I have a very special guest for you by the name of Holly Montrose, someone who's overcome the odds and has just really lived what we call next play. So I'm excited to share or to allow her to share her story of how she's worked her way up of a really large company and a space predominantly held by men and has worked her way up in a leadership role. And she's the first person to ever do it, the first woman to ever do it. Um, it's a really inspiring story. She started out, actually, she's won national championships in dance and worked her way up in the HVAC industry um, to a really powerful leadership role and um, someone that a lot of people look up to. So, Holly, I'm excited to talk about you, your story, leadership, how you were able to do it and inspire others and be the first um, of this of a huge company to do it. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you asking. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super pumped about this. So let's just dive into it, into it because it's you're you're in an industry that women just don't typically uh, work <laughs> in. So how, why HVAC? How did you get into the industry? Yeah, so this is an interesting one because you know I didn't just wake up one day and decide I'm going to go sell drives. Um, <laughs> I actually have a technical background, so I was working for one of the largest manufacturers of chips in the world, Intel. And I have a background in chemistry. I'm a crazy super science nerd. Um, but I quickly learned that while I was working at Intel in the fab, it was compressed work weeks, night shift in fluorescent lighting by myself in the bunny suit, all alone, all the time. And there was a huge part of me that was missing from that role and it was people. Um, so I decided I was going to start out on a mission. And when I started talking with friends and family, they're like, you should go into sales. I was like, well, I'm a scientist. I sit in the lab. It's, it's kind of my, my thing. I mean, like, but you can do, you can do the science and the sales. You have the technical background to sell the technical application. So I was like, Oh, huh. Well, I never thought about that. Um, and it was a stars aligning kind of opportunity where a friend of mine from college had posted an opportunity with his company. And uh, I was like, well, why don't you just send me the job description and I'll do some reading. He's like, how about you just send me your resume? So I sent my resume. I walk into this office and Richie, I think you would really love my former VP. Um, he is, he's such an inspiration and a go-getter and just drives hard and let's, let's move to the next thing. And, he sat me down in this interview, asked me about myself, asked me about my family, my life, my interests. And he goes, great. When can you start? I was like, but you haven't even asked me about my background in, in science. Right. He's like, I don't need that. He's like, you can clearly learn. 
He's like, what you can't teach people is how to communicate with different types of people. That's right. something that is just inherently learned. He's like, you can learn about HVAC. You can learn about drives. You can learn about the science behind it. But what you can't learn so easily is how to talk to people in a technical way while still talking to them like humans. Right. And so I started as a regional sales manager there with a, a book, a, quite literally just a book on what a drive was. And is this, we were very this drive, this drive is just what goes just for everyone. It's, it's what goes into an HVAC unit, right? Yeah. So every commercial like building. No, it's a, it was like a fancy on off switch is the way that I always describe it. Every fan has a motor and every motor has a drive. It's just the fancy computer that sits and tells it when to turn on and when to turn off. Um, and they are sophisticated and they do get very technical and the application of them does get really into the weeds, um, which is the part that I really loved about selling them. But I knew nothing about them when I started. And it took months of reading these manuals and talking to the application engineers, eavesdropping on technical calls just to even understand what it was I was selling. And I was given a territory that later we all joked about um, was deemed the scrapyard. And it was basically all the tiny little, I had the largest geography, but the smallest um, population for a territory. And so when you asked me, oh, you've been to Ole Miss, I had Mississippi. But my counterparts were the ones that had Dallas and New York and Miami and L.A. And I had mm. Omaha and Des Moines. <laughs> um, uh, so, and nothing, I, I loved visiting them, but it was an interesting just headfirst dive into an industry that I knew nothing about solely based on the fact that I could talk to people and talk to them intelligently. Um, but that quickly mm -hmm. turned into a whole nother challenge, which is getting people to trust your intelligence. Mm-hmm. This role requires a lot of um, front and center technical conversation with engineers. And as a young female going into this industry, I wasn't always taken seriously. Yeah. Um, so it was another giant piece that I had to learn how to overcome because I was just so used to being good at what I did that I just kind of assumed that now that I've established myself as being smart enough to talk about this, people would just trust me. And that's not how it works right. in the real how world. Did you, let's talk about, so let's start with that. Cause I think that's a good, that's a good piece to it. You're in sales. You have to build trust in, in, in an industry where there's just not many females doing it. So how did you do that? Like what, what worked for you? You have to prove it. You have to prove that what you're talking about is true you have to prove that you can be trusted mm. um and you also have to own your mistakes one of the big parts of being in a technical sales role like this in this industry is that you have to have the ability to walk into a very high level conversation but also have a conversation with the guys in the shop and have a bush light out of the cooler mm -hmm. and how do you go and finesse between those two things all in the same day became very challenging because they had to trust that you were intelligent enough to talk about a product, strong enough to carry a conversation, and also witty enough to move from, you know, CEOs to the service guys. 
And I had to go through a lot of trial and error. There was a lot of the times where I would finish a, a rep visit. We call them rep visits where we'd go out and we'd visit our, our partners out in the field. We'd go on engineering calls, sales calls to you know universities or hospitals and just talk about the product and see how they're applying it. And the amount of time at the time, I took it as a huge compliment. But as I get older and I reflect on it, I'm like, man, you didn't have a lot of faith in me. But every time I would finish one of these grand tours, it was met with, wow, I really didn't expect that from you. Mm. And it was like brushing my hair back as a, a you know, 20 something year old girl who was like, see, I can do it. Um, but now as I get older and I reflect that, I'm like, how disappointing that you didn't expect me to at least meet your expectations. Mm. So it, it's it's an interesting world. You know, they love to cherish the women that do work in this industry, but to be one of them, you have to be established. You have to establish yourself yeah. and you can't come in swinging. I guess you could, you could come swing in and, and trying to take the big boys out, um, but that's just never been my style. So I've spent the last, you know, 15 years establishing myself as competent and confident, trustworthy. Um, someone that people want to seek out for my guidance and my assistance and my leadership. Um, but I also lead with kindness and expectation that crack cracking skulls isn't always the way to get things done. Right, right, right. So <laughs> you, you brought up a word and I think it's really important because, I mean, obviously for you being the underdog, um, it's, it's, it's hard and a lot of people struggle with it. So you mentioned the word confidence. What do you feel like for you has been the biggest driving factor in, in building confidence for yourself as a salesperson in the beginning and all the way up to a leader today? And obviously you're, so you're the, you're, you're the U S director of channel sales, right? Right. 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 So, so that's a big deal. So like where, how did you, how did you start building the confidence and how have you been able to keep and maintain it? This industry is very heavily reliant on your relationships. And I think every industry has a, a certain dynamic that relationships play into right, the networking. Right. Um, but because we're working with systems that are expensive, and if you make mistakes, they're costly mistakes. People don't like to lose money. Um, and so I spent my entire first half of my career building relationships with people all across the industry in other you know, and other rep offices and other manufacturing companies. Um, and that's actually how I ended up aligning with my now VP, Paul Bartunic. We crossed paths a couple of times in the past and he has, we always joke about, Paul has a list. He's got the list of talent that when he needs to fill a space, he goes off his list. Um, and many years ago, unbeknown to me, I made the list. Um, all because of a couple of interactions that we had. And it's engaging in those conversations with those types of individuals, not just the VPs, but the influential individuals of our industry. Sometimes it's a VP, sometimes it's an engineer who everyone trusts. Sometimes it's a contractor that everyone knows is going to get the job done, regardless of where they are. So I found the, the key people that were recognized and respected and I sought them out. I wanted to make sure that they understood that I was someone that they could just have a conversation with, let alone have a business engagement with, and then ultimately trust as a partner. 
Mm-hmm. And so that engagement with Paul many years ago, um, I, I left Oregon and moved to Michigan um, five years ago now. And I left the industry. And it was an industry that I had fought for so many years to make a place for myself. I mean, it wasn't easy and it definitely wasn't an easy decision to leave. But ultimately, I made the decision to leave because I couldn't take my role with me. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the most unfortunate part of that story was that that role that I was in at the time had just been newly created for me. So I had worked so hard to have a role created for me. um, But because I would be the only remote employee in history and there was a new division president um they just didn't align at the right time and everything right. happens for a reason but a couple of years later mr bartunic has a spot on his team and calls me and in our industry you know who the big players are and to put into perspective i was working for you know number six on the list we'll call it we were the little fish in the very big pond yeah whereas abb is the monster in the room right and it's for a very good reason. So when I got the call to join Paul, I was like, done. Well, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do there. Right. Um, and I think it's just having people of, of the, that you respect, but also of influence in different, in different facets um, that's really built my confidence. You know, being sought out, that was a huge game changer in my confidence. Because I knew, I knew then and there when I got the call, I was on that list. Right. And it's like, it's like, so it's like putting yourself out there and then building the relationships with people um, along the way right. and, then, and, it's and not, then getting a result from it. And it's not just building relationships of just getting to know them, but it's also showing them that you can be reliable. So I made contacts within some of the major universities across the country because they had a system issue that the channel partner really needed assistance with getting a problem solved that only we could do, which was delivering something quickly. But being that main contact to the factory, they put trust in me. And now my name was associated to that action. It's all about proving it. Mm -hmm. You can say, I got your back, but unless there's something that comes around that shows that you've got their back, people are always going to wonder. And again, it might be a complex just because I am a female in this industry, but until I prove it, people are going to assume that it's not, you know, okay, she says she can do it, but can she really? Got it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, but, but I think that's, I think that's like, yeah, I mean, that's so important. Like as part of building relationships as being that person and being reliable and being trustworthy. And did you find, did you find that you, um, that you were always finding ways to provide the provide value and to give to these as did you feel like that was something that you did quite a bit or that helped at all? I really love how you said that because it, again, it's one of those things that I've reflected on Um, back at my old, my former company. I, I was kind of the, the grabber. I would make connections and then I would make the introduction introductions for my leadership at the time. Um, so we had, and we ended up striking up a couple of OEM opportunities because of relationships that I formed. Um, and I was that value add. People knew that people liked working with me. People liked talking to me. Um, and I was starting to gain uh, a background of trust. I could deliver intellectually in, in an engineer's office. I could deliver when talking to an end user. Um, but I also knew how 
to introduce people within our industry in an appropriate fashion. No one wants to be bombarded when they're having a good time and talk business right on the spot. That's not an appropriate method in my book. You know, if you're out with colleagues and you're having a good time and someone's like, hey, let me try to sell you this tire over here. You're going to be like, no, beat it. I don't, I don't, why are you here? Right. So it was, I, it was later down the line when I realized that a big part of my value was my ability to just communicate with different types of people. And I became that adder in a lot of different scenarios for my former company, um, which is part of the reason why I got moved into the business development role before I left. Yeah. It was created for me to go out and develop business, go out and create new relationships for our company. Um, so that that's something that, again, as I grow into this leadership role now here at ABB, I find myself still being used in that way, not used in the negative connotation, but. Right, right, right. I I can I really love that part of what I do. It's the part that adds the whole thing together. Right. So how did you okay, so then how did you trend cuz like a lot of I mean you probably know this more than than most that a, a lot of people will will transition salespeople into into leadership roles, into management roles and they're not managers. They're not leaders <laughs> and it's a terrible <laughs> idea. Um how <laughs> yes. how or there's just no training to it. So how did you make that transition from a badass sales rep to, I mean, a badass leader? Like, how did you make that transition? They're way different. I mean, they're different skill sets. This is, um, you know, this is a part of the story, my story where I, I've had a lot of time to reflect because when the concept of breaking out a new role was discussed, um, at the time, there were three regionals. I was one of them. And then I had two colleagues and we were told that this was going to break out into five because we were growing so rapidly. It was becoming really challenging to be proactive aside from how we were constantly reactive. And so the director would ultimately be in charge of this sales force. And when I asked my boss, I asked my VP at the time, I'm like, so who, who do you have in mind thinking we were just going to be shifting people around? He's like, well, anyone can apply. And I immediately like, went on the defense and said, Oh, no, no, I'm not saying that I'm going to apply for it. I was just curious if you'd already selected somebody. And at that moment when I was talking with some friends over a glass of wine or whatever it was, one of my girlfriends Red was or like, white? <laughs> red all the time. Or champagne. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but we were sitting there and she's like, wait, you didn't just go for it? I was like, why, why would I go for it? I'm brand new. She goes, you weren't born yesterday, Holly. You're not brand new. You're just new to that organization. If they have to hire someone from the outside, you will still have more tenure there than them. Right. I said, ah, oh, huh. I had lots of, of confidence in that moment. I didn't think I was capable solely out of the fact that I hadn't been with the organization longer than at the time, five months. I thought to myself, no one's going to want to hire me because they don't know me. And that's how I have progressed in my career is by having people get to know me. Yeah. Um, so it, because I didn't have any long outstanding relationships with people that were going to ultimately choose my fate, if I was to put myself in that position, I had already discounted myself as a, as an applicant. So I had some time to think about it. I was on a, a channel partner event, customer appreciation event. And I've throughout my time in the industry, I found a lot of, of really influential people 
that have become mentors to me. And I was having a, having a drink on the beach with the customers and this particular mentor. And he's one of those, give it to you straight. He's from Philly. And he point blank told me, are you dumb? And I was like, excuse me? He's like, are you dumb? He's like, did you suddenly slip, fall, hit your head, think that you weren't capable of things anymore? I said, no, sir. He goes, okay, then I think that you have an application to fill out. And it was just these little, little pushes of people almost more surprised that I wasn't considering going for it than surprised that I was. Mm. That finally gave me enough to just go, you know what, buck up, sister, go for it. So I did. I applied. I put my resume out there. Um, I went through the and first this is round. For a, this is for this a is management for this role? Oh, for this, this is for role. this director role. Got this it. role. Okay. Um, so I had been with ABB for five months when this opened up. And I was going up against a colleague. Uh, I was going up against a handful of very well-known individuals in the industry. Um, and it came down to the second round of interviews. And it was some of these interviews were with my peers. Um, and then others were, you know, senior leadership within the organization. And it was hard because I knew that the last go around, I was up against an individual that had a profound amount of respect, had a relationship with a lot of people within our organization previously. And I started to doubt myself. But at that point, there was no turning back. And my last interview was with our division lead president. His name is Petri. Um, he's our local division president. And he challenged me and asked me questions where I could have very easily just given him the sunshine and rainbows response that some people might think is what people want to hear. Right. But I kind of saw this. It was a moment of there's no turning back. What What are they going to do? Fire me because I gave my right. honest opinion on something. <laughs> um. And I, I laid it on him. I, I, I pointed out where we were struggling, where we were going to fail, how we were going to fail if we didn't do certain things. Uh, and I left that interview so unsure of my future because I couldn't read him. There was no response. Um, so I waited days. <laughs> and then I get a call from my VP. He actually scheduled a time that just says chat on my calendar. And I get on this chat. My heart is racing. I'm sweating. I think I'm going to throw up. And he's like, listen, you know what you did was impressive. You know, it was really big of you. It was hard for you. I, I understand the kind of commitment and the leap that you took to do that. So don't, you know, you really should be proud of that. I'm thinking, oh my God, you're really going to do this to me right now. Right. You're going to compliment sandwich me. You're going to tell me I didn't get it and then right, say, but right. hey, you're still great. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> Compliments. And, <laughs> and he finishes his sentence very stoic. He's like, you know, so you know, that's the reason why it was unanimous, why we picked you. And I honestly turned into like a 13-year-old girl making the dance team all over again, just like <laughs> sobbing. <laughs> so unprofessional, but just crying because I, I surprised myself in that moment. I, I try to put on an air like I don't surprise myself when I accomplish great things because I work so hard. Um, but I had really put a lot of doubt in my own mind throughout that entire process. And that was just the first challenge because I was about to take over a team of seasoned professionals who have been here longer than my entire career. 
Mm-hmm. And who know this industry, who know this company inside and out, and I'm supposed to be their leader. Mm. So it was uh, it was one of the greatest days of my career, but also one of the scariest because. Yeah. <laughs> so now what? Now what do I do? This is incredible. I love the story. And so, how how did you, Holly? How did you, like, what what was the first thing as far as like beating, building these? You know, obviously you've through work ethic and and the things that you've done, you've created these leadership skills. And so what, what was kind of your first thing that you want, that you focused on that you're like, I've got to get really dialed in on this. I got to, I want to get better at this. I want to, what did that kind of look like once you were in this position, you've got people that have been in the industry for a long time. They're looking at you and they've never appointed a woman in this role before. What did you say? Here's, here are some of the things I've got to work on as a leader right away. So step one for me was identifying my communication as a leader. Um, I I know in my own self that I'm a great communicator. Um, however, when you talk, it's much like when I teach dance. You okay. can't teach everybody in the same way because there are some kids that you got to scream at. There are some kids that you have to go over and hold their hand. Right. But you have to be respectful to that person as an individual. And mm-hmm. so the first thing I knew I needed to do is this is the first time I've ever had to lead adults. And that was in its own category of its own, a little nerve wracking because I can talk to adults, but how do I, how do I get for, again, lack of better terms, a group of older white men to get on board with me being their leader. Mm-hmm. And so I did one-on-one sessions with each one of the guys um, because I didn't build this team at first, I inherited it. Right. And so they all. And how had many? Been, how many? Um, I had three, four men, one female who ultimately um, left the company. I still have a profound amount of respect for her, but she was also one of my colleagues that I was up against for this role. Got it. Um, and then I had an open position to fill, which was my former role. So at my overall head count to have was six. Um, and four of them were were older, our older gentlemen who are so well respected in this industry. And so I spent time with each one individually identifying what they needed from me. And then I left each conversation with what I needed from them. And it so wasn't something expectations, like expectations clear. You know, my it's funny you should say that because I think I'm still gr- learning how to set clear expectations in general, um, as a leader, this was more, I treated each one of these conversations as like a personal expectation, like what I need from you. So, you know, first, first conversation was we need someone who's going to be honest with us. Well, you can count on me because I am transparent to a fault. Sometimes, um, we need someone that's going to relay information and help us communicate it in a way that doesn't strike fear because we're in an environment right now with supply chain issues and global conflict that any bad news feels like the world is ending. (laughs) Um, So we need someone that's going to be able to communicate to us and help us deliver a message that doesn't strike fear in everybody. I said, done. Okay, great. I go, but here's what I need from you. When you start seeing me falter or question or second guess, or get uncomfortable, which is something I don't do openly very well. I need you to tell me. This is a two-way street. If you want honesty from me, I need honesty from you. 
I need to know when you think you see me cracking. Because if I'm if I'm visually cracking or if you can catch it, that means that I've already gone through a whole level of process in my head where I'm doubting what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes you just have to have someone tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, slow down. Hey, calm down. And I, when I ask this, if I'm the one that's requesting it, it makes it a lot easier to receive the news than if someone off the street was like, hey, calm down. They're like, you calm down. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I opened up that conversation, that dialogue at the very beginning of this new found relationship of role. Um, but when it comes to really setting expectations of the roles, I'm still learning that. I'm still learning how to manage adults yeah. and how to measure success for them, not on them. Because I have a really interesting diversity of people in their career paths. I've got guys who are going to retire in two years. I've got guys who are going to retire in five. I've hired two new guys who one was my former application engineer, my partner, um, who's young, eager, never been a sales guy. And then I hired someone who came from the industry who was from a company very similar to my former company. And we were scrappers. We did what we had to do to survive. And so now I've got to work with this team and learn how to set expectations for each of them for the greater good, which is why we're putting this conference together the way that we are this year. How do we learn from each other to benefit in the future? Right. And so you 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 not only have your direct, so six, five, I said five or six people, but you also have all of these partners, right? All of these channel partners that you're also leading, right? Yes. Yes. So it's not just you have your direct team, but then you're also, you know, leading all of these partners for the biggest brand in the industry. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's a really big deal. So what, what, like, I love it. First of all, thank you for being transparent and honest. And like, I don't know if you've listened to some of these episodes, but yeah. sometimes I have people on that are just like, oh, like I'm the, you know, I have nothing to work on. I'm the, it's like, okay, but you're, 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 you, you're honest and you're like, hey, like as a, because the, in trans, like ask 10 people, 10 great leaders, what the definition of leadership are, and they're all different. So always. it's like, we can always improve as leaders. So I love that attitude. That's why you're in the role, hands down, besides all the other traits, but the, 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 the fact that, you're always willing to grow and admit and like, look what you said to the people on your team, you know, point, point at me, show me when I'm, when I'm at a fault, show me when I can get better. And I think that's really powerful. So where do you feel like, um, you know, as of right now, you have all these other channel partners and stuff. What's kind of been your model for managing all this? Like, how have you had success in, in doing this, managing your team and the partners like what's been your framework or model to be able to do this? You know, this is the, this is the section of, of being in this role. That's really hard to define because yes, I have my direct reports. Um, you build relationships with all of these people throughout your career, just in different situations, working with them on certain projects or you're rep, you're managing them, whatever it may be. Um, but now you have to layer in a totally different dynamic where I'm at. Right. I went from going and attending and presenting on product to going and having 
really high profile strategic conversations with individuals that have, again, done incredible things within their careers. And I feel like I'm just getting started. So there is a and whole nother layer. Are you referring to the channel partners? Yes. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So like I, I joke about um, <laughs> like the other couple of weeks ago, I was asked to participate in kind of a shaking hands and kissing babies tour for our incredible <laughs> CEO. And I was terrified. I don't get scared. I don't get intimidated that easily. But for some reason, the level of authority and power and statute that this individual holds really made me nervous. And um, then I had to think about all of the individuals that we'd be taking him to see of equal stat status and stature and experience. And I'm like, I am, I'm not, I don't fit in this room. Like, they're talking about their multiple sailboats and I'm sitting here thinking about how many white claws <laughs> I'm going to consume this weekend. <laughs> I, I, nice. I had this moment of doubt, but in that same moment, their business people and their legacy is just as important as their future, their past, their present, everything. So mm. who they are and who they've established them in each of these organizations goes well beyond wealth and status. It's making sure that their legacy lives on. And it's probably the most inspiring part about what I get to do and who I get to talk to these days because it's not managing people anymore. When you get mm. to the channel partners and the reps, not managing them, I'm helping set expectation and communicate and help them manage the expectations of their customers. But we're all in it for the same reason, and it's to maintain the legacy of our organizations as the best in the business. So this is this is to me so powerful from a leadership perspective. Is I, I always talk about this on my team or when we're working with organizations, and that's it's understanding what your people want and then doing everything in your power to help them get it. That's what yes. great to me great leaders do that. So the fact that you're you're you are going back to what's the end result? What are these channel partners or principals? What do they want for their businesses and for their family? And you're going back to legacy. So then it becomes, how do you help them get there? And so if you're in a leadership role, uh, the people, if you don't know what the people on your team want, not just with their, their sales goals, but like in yeah. their life, you know what I mean? Like, yes. what does this person want in their life? And then it's our goal to do everything in our power to help help them get there. And it sounds like that's kind of like you figure it out. Here's what they want now now what what's your next step then how do how do right. you holly as a leader help them get there like what's what's kind of, is that what your is that your play right now is that what you're working That's on it. so right now you know i love being challenged and i love there is something that the, the first thing i started saying when i joined adb is i have never been hired to do my job i've always been hired to do something that i was told to do and there was always some form of exceptional micromanaging that fell into previous roles. Fill out this form, make sure you have this many calls. And and it was a, a, a school of thought that fit business back then. But right. that's not the way that I am. And it's not the way that I've ever sold myself as an individual or an employee. Yeah. Um, so when I was brought onto this team, I was brought on to do my job and be me and manage my style. And now that I'm in this leadership role, I'm being challenged again with strategizing. How do I move this forward into the next generation? What are you going to do? What's your plan? 
what do you want this to look like? Because mm-hmm. it's going to be yours. Right. And right. it's not about me. As much as like the you's and the eyes they come out in conversation, it's about this company and its legacy. And yes, there are so many great, there are so much to learn from the past, good, bad, otherwise. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to learn from the future, good, right. bad, or otherwise. Right. And so as we're getting ready for the sales meeting, I, I keep getting the, there's like little bits of pressure of this is your first one. This is your first big event. You have to make it memorable. <laughs> no pressure. Okay. But I walked away from the very that's first you, conversation though. around I, I don't. I don't mean to interrupt you, but that that's you. <laughs> That's you. It's like, hey, like I have this moment and like, obviously that's why you've won national championships. That's why you're who you are is like, and, and a lot of people talk bad about putting pressure on yourself, but I, I, I'm a fan. Obviously you don't, I I mean, there's, there's, there's good pressure and then there's, um, unnecessary stress, like, like making yourself late to things and stuff like that. But I think you're putting pressure in the right places. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. No, I I appreciate that. that. That's you. Sometimes you hear that. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, that's you. And so that's, that's so cool. I mean, you care about this. That's why you're here, right? Exactly. You take pride in it. So, okay, keep going, keep going. No, no. I mean, and that's exactly you. I take pride in what I do, but I also, I think we're as, oh, I'm going to go like in this weird deep spinoff for just a second. But as a society, I feel like we've put a lot of like really hard stops on things. Like you are Gen Z, you are millennials, you are I mean, we are old school. You guys don't know how we did it back then. It's like, okay, well then teach us. But then there's also another school of thought of, well, what you guys did is so outdated. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe pieces are. I have always found myself right there in the middle. Like, yes, there are certain things that we have certainly outgrown. Do we have problems? Yes. I go to this vision of, but how did we get to the problem? It didn't just appear what got us here and it's just because we outgrew processes that were in place we outgrew habits that we used to follow so how can we make small improvements for greater change maybe it has to be a big improvement for a greater change but that's what we don't know and that's where we need to be sharing with each other we need to be trusting each other because the reality is if my group of senior sales guys leave tomorrow, they take an absurd amount of tribal knowledge that I barely touched on in my team. Mm -hmm. And then what? Then you start over. No. You can't afford to start over and you don't want to start over because starting over isn't the legacy of the brand that you're part of. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why it's so well-respected. There's a reason why people want to work with ABB and want Mm -hmm. to work with the guys on my team because of what they've done in the past. It's who they are. It's what they've always done. But we also have to find the pivot points where we can evolve and take it into the next generation and let the next generation make change because that's ultimately who carries on your legacy. So that two-way trust has to be there or else you lose it. And then everything that you've worked for that was so important for you to hold on to no longer exists. Right. Again, no pressure, but that's, that's something that I love. I think it's an amazing challenge. Do I have an answer for all of it? Absolutely not. But do I think that I've got a lot of people that wouldn't let me fail that will help 
this dream, this vision, this strategy? Absolutely. And maybe I don't have everyone yet. So we'll see. Of course. I mean, I think it was just along the way. So, so what is your vision? Like as a leader, what's your vision for moving forward? I think it has to go in pieces and you have to go bigger than you're expected to go. So right now I've been working really diligently with my team on where do we see this industry going and how can we make the next leap on, on little, little changes to make the improvement right now. I'm trying to build a team of managers, not sales guys or gals, because I would love to get a female on my team. Um, but I'm, I'm working on establishing a team of managers that have open communication so we can learn more from our channel and we can start getting our feelers, our hands into the dirt and understanding where these dynamic shifts are happening right now. I don't think that we've had enough time over the course of the last three years, mainly because COVID and global supply chain and you name it. The Mm -hmm. world is on fire. And I feel like that meme of the dog sitting in the house on fire, like it's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) But I think right now, step one, understand where change is happening. And instead of resisting it, greet it, get in front of it, Mm -hmm. be part of it. There's ideas. I have ideas and I'm working on strategy, but that's, that's down the road. But right now I need to have, I need the confidence of my entire team, our entire team Mm -hmm. going in the same direction, putting their feelers out on how to make little changes to make big outcomes. Right. So so again, a big part of this whole meeting. Right. Right. So that, so I love it. Like long-term vision. So, so walk me through real quick. And this is my last question for you is, is, is what's your next play? And it could be within this meeting or, whatever, but what, what's your next play? Cause there's obviously a lot of steps to do that, right. To get there. What's, what's your focus right now when it comes to making that happen? Um, my, my immediate next step is I need to create another role to help me manage that vision. There needs to be someone who, who basically, I, I need a runner, that runner, the go-getter, the eager one that might not have all of the skills, but that can fold in to the role that we don't even know we need yet. Mm -hmm. I just know that there's something missing on our team right now. And as we evolve our business strategy and we our go-to-market changes ever so slightly and how we support the market, we're finding ourselves stretching too thin and we're sharing the burden on people that didn't sign up to share the burden with us. So we need someone immediately in a role that's ebbing and flowing and changing and fluid. And that's terrifying for people. How do you, how do you hire the best person? How do you bring up the best person onto your team without a real job description? I don't know. So that's what I'm trying to figure out right now, because I think in like my heart of hearts, I know it sounds very definitive, but there is a hole on my team right now. Yeah, there is a driving force that's going to connect the dots that we have all out in space right now and bring them in. So that way we're stronger going forward. Yeah, I just got to find that. That's it's like a, a big chief step of staff almost. Kind of. Yeah, something someone. Yes, there's there's got to be this glue that carries forth all these little bits and pieces of change. Integrator. 
integrator. In the entrepreneurial world. Yeah. So in like the entrepreneurial world, you have a visionary. So typically like, you know, like let's say one to hundred million dollar businesses usually have these two roles, like a visionary who's like the CEO, the person who's coming up with all the ideas. And then you have your, your integrator. Um, so in corporate America, it would be a, a COO and in entrepreneurial world, it's an integrator, but in, in teams too, like in a lot of sales teams, especially when you have a chief, a CRO, a chief revenue or a chief sales officer will be the visionary. And then there'll be an integrator underneath that person. And that's kind of like what you're, you're sharing. It's like, Hey, we have all these things. How do we, how do we glue it? How do we, you know, go out and make sure it gets implemented and bring, connect all the dots and that type of thing. I don't know, just a thought. So no, I, it's, I feel like it's, it's an a internal really, thing. It is because now that you say that out loud, it's, I almost feel like I, I am playing the integrator right now for my VP. Yeah. He has empowered me so much, but as we evolve, it has to go down the chain Yeah, and we need to fill those gaps in. Um, yeah, I've been just, I've been so lucky to be here and so lucky to participate in this company and been given so many opportunities to just show people what I'm capable of. Right. So I love it's it. It's exciting. It's, it's awesome. I, I love it. I love your story. I love what you've done. Um, How can people find you? If someone wants to connect with you or reach out to yeah. you, ask questions, where's I'm the best place? I'm on LinkedIn. Place? Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, That's always a good place. I'm on there pretty frequently, so. Perfect. So Holly Montrose, right? That's yes. how we, it's M-M-O-N-T-R-O-S-E. Um, Holly, H-O-L-L-Y. Reach out. Look how nice she is. She's, look what she's done and she's <laughs> willing to connect. <laughs> so definitely connect with her. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share before we wrap this up? No, I honestly, Archie, I appreciate you so much just asking to hear it because it doesn't, we don't get to share our stories enough and there's one thing I, one piece of advice that I can give anybody is never stop interviewing and it doesn't have to be for a role, but just get the opportunity to do a little bit of self bragging to remind yourself of all the wonderful things that you've done in your time, because this has actually built my confidence right back up. It's been crazy times at work, crazy times in the world. And I needed just a nice moment to reflect on all the hard work that's fallen behind all of the great things that I get to do. So I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. I really do. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I love it. And, and um, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into like human nature, right? And I think, you know, one of the things that we, we do with sales teams is we, we teach sales leaders to always be sharing testimonials and reviews from, from clients that you've had um, to motivate them, inspire them. And then for you, when you get to share your story and you get to share your successes, I mean, it, it, it pumps you up. That's, we talk about yeah. confidence and pumping up. So, uh, but anyways, I mean, you deserve it. So this was awesome. Holly, thank you so much for being on the show. If anybody wants to reach out um, and has questions, feel free to reach out to Holly on LinkedIn. Um, obviously she she's there. So thank you so much for being here. And I look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Thanks, Richie. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Play Podcast. If you liked the show, make sure to leave us a review. For more resources, visit RelentlessUniversity.com or download the free Relentless University app. And if you're interested in having me speak at your next event, visit RelentlessRitchie.com. Until next time.